Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast, where we look at current events through the lens, through the eyes of faith and leadership character and history. So glad you've joined us. Let me jump right in and let me ask you this question. What people group is this? They are four to eight times as likely or more likely it should be to be drugged with Ritalin and other stimulants. Their reading is poorer than any other student group. They are five times more likely to commit suicide They are two and a half times more likely to drop out of high school. They are severely underrepresented in college and even more so among college graduates, which locks them out of today's jobs, much less locks them out of tomorrow's economy. Who is this? What people group is this? How quickly can we rush to their aid? Is it African-American 14-year-olds, is uh, maybe males, is it, uh, I don't know, 25-year-old Asian women? Uh, uh, who is it? Is, is it white uh, 10-year-olds? Uh, what group is this that is in this kind of horrible shape? Well, let me tell you, it's boys. Boys in America. Think about that. The downward spiral of American boys is stunning. They are most represented in special needs programs in schools. They are substandard on average uh, in mathematical skills, substandard on average in reading skills. They are by far the most in trouble in schools by every standard. They are underperforming. As a result, then men are in decline in our society. We've already talked about that a great deal. Now, normally I would be talking about these things in my other podcast, the Great Man podcast, and I hope you'll listen to it because we're talking constantly to men, coaching men, drawing men out. But this podcast is a lot about public policy. It's a lot about politics. It's a lot about governing. We have a lot of people in governments all over the world who listen to this podcast. And I want to draw attention to the issue of boys. No society thrives when it diminishes Some people would say declares war on its boys, its young men. And I would suggest that there is, it might be inadvertent, but there is particularly in the Western world, and uh, perhaps again I say unintended, war on boys. They are in trouble. They are despised. They are being raised in a society that suspects them, that doesn't understand them, that doesn't take time to recognize the factors of their development, that labels them. The term toxic masculinity is something that is laid on them. And by the way, I've seen it in curricula that are for very young, elementary age young males. We have a crisis of boys in our society, and I think it's extremely important 
for us to ponder it. I'm very grateful to a woman I've not met. Her name is Erica Commissar, an unusual name, uh, given my background anyway in Germany and uh, paying attention to history. She has recently written an article I urge you to read. It's in the Wall Street Journal, and it's called School is a Hostile Environment for Boys. And her thesis is that teaching methods are better suited for girls who get better grades and have for more than a century. Now, I've talked about some of these things in my other podcasts, but let me kind of lay it out for you here. Boys and girls develop differently. I'm not just talking about physically, but I'm talking about uh, chemically, psychologically. They develop differently and they develop at different rates. If you don't recognize this, you're going to have an inherent bias against boys. Let me give you an example. Uh, Boys between two and six years of age, their bodies are just awash with testosterone. And so we have learned that what works best for them in school, what works best for them if we're going to ask them to study for six, eight hours a day in some cases, is that they have numerous recesses, that they're allowed to go out and burn off some of that testosterone and express their energy in constructive ways and not be forced to sit in a prison-like environment in a classroom and to behave like girls. So some of the programs, and by the way, uh, Dr. Commissar makes this very clear in her article, School is a Hostile Environment for Boys, again, in the Washington Journal of just last week, she makes the point that the programs that work best for boys are boys which have three recesses a day. Now, I don't know there's some of you educators probably rolling your eyes and saying, how in the world do we do that? But it's not just that boys then burn off their excess energy and therefore are able to sit in the classroom uh, more creatively and more effectively, but also that when you allow them to exercise themselves in the full sense of what that means, um, their brains develop better. The brain synapses work better. They learn more. It's almost as though it increases their IQ, although that's not really the right measurement to a right rating system to use uh, for what I'm describing. But boys learn more, can absorb more. Their brain's growing. They are learning. They are allowed to develop the full uh, brain capacity through physical activity. It's pretty stunning. So think about it. If you require boys between the age of two and six to sit still in a classroom and maybe get a few minutes of recess, well, then you're not going to be developing them well. Let me tell you another thing that's going to start to be a factor. Up until about the college years, boys and girls of the same age can be as much as five years apart developmentally. We know very well that girls, uh, along about the middle of the elementary school years, surge ahead They develop more rapidly. They do better in school. They have the skills and the emotional IQ, uh, the emotional ability, EQ, I should say, to develop in school. They do well. Boys lag behind. And yet, of course, we have what some people call conveyor belt schools in our public system. We expect everybody to develop kind of March goose step uh, at the same pace. Well, it's not going to work for boys. They're going to lag behind. They're going to seem like misbehaving kids. They're going to seem resistant. They're not going to do as well. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to get labeled. In some cases, they uh, start to drug them with the drugs that I've mentioned, Ritalin and other things, because these are 
uh, the drugs that they give boys. Boys are far more, far over-drugged to a dramatic degree in this generation. And I've recommended articles before on this subject. So now what happens is along about the college years, things start to even up. Uh, the boys develop more rapidly, uh, girls and boys. By this point, they're men and women, young men and women in their early 20s. Uh, they level off and boys actually start to excel a little bit more. They actually start to, to, to blow past the girls in some cases. Now, I'm, I, listen, I want to pause right here and say that I've advocated in my life for a lot of different people groups. And what I get tired of is people thinking that because you're advocating for one people group, you're anti another. I advocate for for Kurds, for example, quite a bit. Well, that doesn't mean I'm anti-Asian. I've advocated for young African-American men. That doesn't mean I'm anti-Latino. Uh, you understand what I'm saying. You did, Please, for a moment, let's turn off this identity politics that dominates our society. I'm advocating for boys. That's not, not because I'm anti-girls. I'm married to a girl. I, I have a girl who's a daughter. I work in a world. If you saw my work world, unusually these days in my life, I'm primarily working with women. I'm an advocate for women. I'm an advocate for girls. But to describe the problems and the challenges that our society is handing to boys does not mean I'm anti anybody else. So forgive me for going off on that for just a moment. But many times I get emails and people are saying, why, don't, why in the world are you so anti whatever? I'm not. I'm advocating for one. I'm just not mentioning the other. So, and by the way, some of the biggest advocates for boys are their mothers who understand exactly what they're dealing with. So we're all on the same team here. My point is that not just in school, but in life, our society has got a crisis of boys. They are in a downward spiral. And that's because the system is oriented towards girls. And I, by the way, I get that. Um, I get it. You're a teacher, you're in school. Who are the ones who are performing? Who are the ones who are behaving? Who are the ones who are sweet? Who are the ones who don't, you know, get in fights on the playground? Uh, who are the ones who advance the most rapidly? Who are the ones who uh, most reward you as a teacher with performance? It's the girls. If you're, let's say, a sixth grade teacher or a seventh grade teacher or an eighth grade teacher, maybe, maybe even 12th grade. And then, of course, it's, it's boys who actually decide to go on to college, and that number's dropping rapidly. They start to perform. They start to achieve. This was pretty much my story. Um, I never was diagnosed with anything like ADD. I never had to have any. I was never drugged in any way. But I certainly can tell you um, that I did fair, you know, B, maybe, uh, all through uh, elementary school and high school. And when I hit college, man, I took off. I took off intellectually. I took off physically. I I knew I was lagging behind. I knew I wasn't up. Even to the girls I was dating, they were just smarter than I was, better than I was. And then college, things really started to take off. Well, we need to recognize that. And that doesn't mean I'm asking the public schools to have separate boys and girls schools, but recognize those differences and somehow uh, set up the system so it works for the boys as well as the girls. And more broadly in society, we cannot have a negative attitude towards boys. We can't see them as problems. We can't try to drug out what is normal male behavior. We need more male teachers, and we certainly need more active fathers in the homes who can narrate the male journey. One of the things I've done, and trust me, I am no expert, but one of the things I've done in schools and done for groups of educators and so on, just because I have a little bit of prominence, is I've been able to narrate my journey, what it was like to sit in class and what I didn't get and how my brain didn't work a certain way. I wasn't, I wasn't damaged in any way or didn't have any major dysfunctions. I was just a boy, for heaven's sakes. So when I'm in the seventh grade, I'm wanting to pull the walls down, scratch my eyes out with boredom. 
but I'm not doing well in school. I mean, I'm doing okay. I think maybe C plus or B minus at that point. And somebody could have engaged me at my level. They didn't understand it. I was often in trouble, often in trouble. If I hadn't been a pretty good football player in high school, I think I would have had more challenges, but they were giving me a pass because they were hoping that I'd, you know, represent the school and college and pro football. So all that to say, I've told this story before. I don't need to bore you with it now, but I love when I'm often talking before a group of educators and I'm able to, to be a little bit of a poster child for them of a kid who was just normal, but really challenged in school and then began to thrive later. And the only reason they're listening to me is because I'm a New York Times bestselling author, or I'm a PhD or whatever other things that might cause them to lend an ear. And it gives me a chance to say, I was a normal boy. This is what's going on with boys all over America. And when you add in the video games today, the sedentary lifestyles, the fatherless homes, we really are kind of declaring war as society on boys. So why am I bringing this up in a podcast that's largely about government and societal trends and about governing? No society does well if it declares war on its young men. We've got to turn our attention to them. Doesn't mean we turn our attention away from women. They are doing great, by the way, to celebrate. I'm actually celebrating the glass ceilings being broken, the achievement of women. It's wonderful. I love seeing what's happening on our society in that regard. But we have to pay attention to the fact that boys are in decline. They're hurting. They're not doing well. By every measurement, and certainly in our public schools and many of our private schools, boys are falling behind. It will not serve society well. And when you add to that some of the negative attitudes towards masculinity going on in our society and that they will encounter uh, in college, we really are damaging, deforming our society. I'm a Christian. I'm an American. I want every group to do well. I want all groups to thrive. That's the goal. That's what a healthy society wants. I'm not favoring boys here to the exclusion of girls. No, I want them both to thrive. I don't think there's a limited size pie. I think the pie grows. We The pie keeps increasing in size and we want everybody to have its proper piece. Now, my point is that we need to pay attention. We need to have programs. Educators need to be taught. Some of the people who have written the trenchant books on the boy crisis uh, need to be heard. We need to engage boys at the level uh, at which they can be engaged in schools, not pressure them, label them, and drug them. Uh, we've got to bring them along. We need for there to be outside organizations that are encouraging boys to, to get through these rather difficult early years. We need schools that recognize that boys, and of course, girls too, if they want to do it, um, may need to have two or three recesses a day, and they'll actually do better intellectually and in the classroom if we allow that, even though it might take some time, on and on and on. I'm not a professional educator in the elementary and high school sense. I want to leave that to the experts. I'm trying to call with this podcast the experts' attention to the fact that we've got a serious crisis and it's fixable. It's fixable. And by the way, uh, for those of us who are part of communities or ethnicities where there's a huge challenge of fatherlessness, one of the stats I most love that psychologists talk about all the time is that if you don't have a father in a home, other men, uncles and men in the community and men in the church, et cetera, can make as much as 80 to 85% of the difference a father would have made if they'll step in and engage that young man's life. So we don't have to have a plague of fatherlessness if the village, if the community, if the if the tribe, whatever language you want to use, will come around that young man. 
We're in crisis in our society. If it continues like this, we are going to have a woefully deformed society in the future. And we're going to have angry young men. There's an African proverb that I think is powerful. And uh, it basically says, if we do not welcome young men into manhood, if we do not have rituals that welcome young men into manhood and bring them into the fellowship of manhood, they will burn the village down just to feel its warmth. That's a famous African proverb, and I love it. So pay attention to young men. They can be the fuel of our society, or they can turn violent and angry and become a plague on our society. I'm not threatening. They're not threatening. What I'm saying is let's help the boys thrive in the same way we want the girls and every other people group and ethnicity to thrive and do well. That's the way the world works. Field is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.